0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voywear prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? (sighs) Ooh, a book club. (sighs) Computer solitaire. Huh?
2: (sighs) Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.
1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the What A Ball A podcast. My name is Gary and I am once again joined by Ant uh, after illness last week. How are you feeling mate, you okay?
0: Yeah, I'm alright mate, thanks very much thanks for taking the reins last week.
1: Ah, not a bother mate, good to have you back. And uh, this week we're also joined by um, a fellow Sutherland fan, the best dressed person on Sky Sports and Hughes. Um, he is Mr. Hashtag Transfer Talk, Mr. Tom White, how are you doing?
2: Best dressed person Sky Sports, just best dressed
1: person sport actually. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I would take that. I would take that. You're looking very <laughs> dapper today as well, mate.
2: Thank you. No, I'm very well. Thank you. Great to see you both.
1: Awesome, awesome. Thanks for very much for coming on the podcast. Obviously, we've been trying to get you for for quite a while, and um, so do really appreciate you coming on today. Um, Tom, just want to talk to you um, first and foremost about you know your background and like how did you you know get into Sky Sports News?
2: Well. As soon as Sky Sports News started as a channel, as soon as I saw it, I said, I want to do that. So, and I would have been at school back then, and I decided, right, well, how on earth do I kind of take that path and stay on it and get to where I wanted to want to be? So even choosing A-levels, even choosing my um, university course and everything like that was all geared towards this. Now, in the end, I didn't have a clue what I should... Looking back, I didn't have a clue what A-levels to be going for. I definitely didn't do the right course. Um, I just eventually realised that I needed to get into Sky Sports somehow. And that was as simple as applying for work experience. Didn't know anybody, just saw a link, did everything I needed to do. and got a couple of weeks work experience and uh, stayed there. That was August 2004 and I never left.
1: Did you start off as a runner? Were you a runner at first? Because I was reading yeah. something about like your career in regards to it.
2: Yeah, that's exactly uh, how I started. So I did the work experience and stayed there as a runner. So for people that don't know what that is, that's you're at the very, very bottom. You are making teas and coffees. You're handing, um, carrying scripts around, handing them out to people. You're also doing the auto queue for the guests and looking after guests. So uh, sorry, auto queue for the presenters and looking after guests. Looking after the guests, a lot of perks to that because meeting some of my heroes. So that was so you know it, it wasn't all bad. I, I in fact I didn't feel it like it was bad at all. Yeah. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. Most people are running for maybe six months a year tops, but because I and then they, they move on to a different role within Sky Sports. like they might join the golf department or the football department, rugby union, rugby league. Um, but I knew once I was there that I needed to get to Sky Sports News because I wanted to be a, a journalist, um, and the only way I could go to actually be a journalist at Sky Sports was Sky Sports News. So I was actually a, a runner for two years, um, which was was quite unheard of um, back then. I'm not sure it's still the case now, and I just was was patient and and waited waited for my chance and knocked on the right doors, did the right things, but. Mainly just pure hard work. Eventually got to got one more rung up that ladder, and it was at Sky Sports News, and then I really was where I wanted to be.
0: But at least your tea and
2: coffee skills have got better over those two years. Tom. <laughs> it's funny, I've 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 had one sip of tea in my life, and I've never ever even tried coffee. So I, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I was making good tea or coffee or not, to be honest. I don't even know what's good and good and what isn't. So when you're on air, as then as what, what do you drink? I'm sure you will be alright. Like yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so when
1: you're on air, then what do you drink then? Because obviously you see a lot of people have tea, coffee, and stuff. Yeah,
2: I'll. Well, I I live off energy drinks. To be honest with you, and it I drink I live off energy drink, water. Stella yeah, pretty much <laughs> nice,
1: <laughs> there nice we go. you nice. mentioned there that you met a lot of your heroes as well um doing doing that job i mean who are your heroes
2: oh well i remember um i remember um when i was a runner and i was doing i was i was running for every sport but mainly on football mm-hmm. football and darts mainly and at the same time jamie redknapp and niall quinn were given a contract so everybody was fussing around Jamie Redknapp and a big name. I, he was delighted to meet him. But for me, he had a clear path to Niall Quinn. And I absolutely loved it because as, as a Sunderland fan, he was, and still is. I mean, this was before, he. this was when he he just finished playing. He hadn't um, been part of the consortium to, to take over the club at that point. And I just absolutely loved it. I was just chewing his ear off all the time. All I wanted to talk about was Sunderland and he is... I'm very happy to say he is as much a gentleman in real life as he comes across. Yeah, we met him in a bar, Gary, didn't
1: we? Yeah, years and years back in nice. Durham. Yeah, we met him. Um, was Sam Crabtree there as well and a few other people? There
0: was, there was, there was, there was Niall Quinn, Simon Crabtree, great commentator of uh, Sunderland of, of old, and um, Charlie Hurley. Charlie Hurley, yeah, the All best right. person wow.
2: I've ever asked. So wow. yeah, your, Yeah, Simon Crabtree, superb commentator. I think he's he's still involved sometimes if I do a news. <laughs> From from home with a Premier League manager, sometimes he's in the news conferences as well. So I'm not sure who it, who it's. Yeah. Oh, what a what a trio that was! What what bar in Durham was that? Uh, Love Shack
1: when it Love first Shaq. opened. I don't oh. know if you remember that.
2: Well, it only closed down a couple of years ago. if that? I mean, was it? Did not even close down in the pandemic? Maybe. It's it's, it's, it's called
0: Players now. It's it's changed its name. It's called Players oh. Bar now.
2: Next to the Bishop's Mill? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. That's the one. Yeah, I have been in since it's changed, actually. I, for- I forgot about that. I forgot that it's kind of still there. Um, yeah, the Durham the Durham pubs, the, a Durham pub crawl is better than anywhere I've been. And I've, I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, I've been to a lot of different countries. But in terms of a pub crawl during the day, Durham is unrivaled.
1: I would agree with that as well. Um, I, I, well, yeah. I mean, I think Durham on a Sunday afternoon, going out with like like my mates and stuff. I think that's a really good time out. But um, I'm more into the you know, the the day drinks. Um, in in Durham, like it, it's got like quite a good vibe. I mean, when was the last time you you were like in Durham, like in County Durham?
2: Yeah. So well, well, in terms of in terms of going out on for for the uh, for pints, it was when England beat Ukraine in the quarter final of the. Um, Euros, and um, we went up there specifically for we, me and my mates. We have a we're from Northumberland, yeah. North Northumberland, but every year we have a Durham day out, and that's exactly what you're saying. We go for the day, yeah. do a pub crawl, and that one managed to by chance tie in with England against Ukraine. So we watched that one in the Three Bridges. Yeah, used to be used to be Yeatses, didn't it? So um, you're a bit of a
1: student out oh, no, would be fair. It's quite good in there.
2: Yeah, it it was good that day but it yeah. was still it was still you had to sit at your tables and such like yeah. That but Durham's the best place for a for a day on for for a day session, no doubt.
1: Yeah, I like I lived over Newcastle for just shy of a year during the pandemic with my partner and like my family's from Durham. Um and like coming back over Durham when we were out, like see our friends and family again. It was like coming back to the city and stuff was, was it's beautiful. It is a beautiful place to to live, so one hundred percent in agreement with you there. Um I mean you mentioned earlier on as well about uh, meeting heroes. Um someone that I know that you're a big fan of and I have heard on previous podcasts you speak very highly of that person, is Sam Allardyce. Yeah. What is it about Sam that you you just really like about him?
2: Well, even when I mean, well before he came to I mean I I I can't remember <coughs> if it was some Player, by the way. Um well before he came to London as manager, well, well, well before. I just couldn't believe how good he was. I couldn't believe what he was doing at Bolton. And he had a lot of success before Bolton as well. I was like, this guy, like, he's 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 taking charge of the whole club pretty much. He's got full control. And look at what look at what's happening. He's getting Bolton into Europe. He's managing to sign these players who, yes, okay, they got on getting on a bit and others may have discarded and said they're past it, he's probably getting the best out of them that had in their whole career. You know, and, and, I, and I couldn't believe it. And when he took the Newcastle job, and I'm a Southern fan, I, I certainly don't hate Newcastle, um, but when he took the Newcastle job, I was devastated because I thought, I can't believe this. Newcastle going to be a real force under, under him. Um, I know it didn't work out there. He wasn't given very much time. The change of ownership, that didn't help him. he was there but even ever since then what he was doing at blackburn what on earth were they doing from sacking him and if you look at clubs once allardyce has left you look at that club's demise okay bolton he left it was just time for him to leave he'd been there a long time They've, they've never got anywhere near back to where they were under him um newcastle 18 months later did get relegated all right i know that he probably wasn't there long enough to put his whole stamp on it and there was lots of issues with um i mean keegan fell out with ashley and, and mike ashley sorry and, and and joe kinney had health problems as well and, and then the, the shira came in last minute you maybe can't put that down to allardyce leaving but i think it would have been a better position had he stayed blackburn went down and have never come back up after he left them as well um, in fairness, West Ham have been all right since he's gone, but he did a brilliant job there. Doesn't get the get the credit for it. West Ham fans were never particularly happy about him. He gets no credit for what he did at Everton. Um, fair enough, he kept Palace up, and, and and the fans appreciate what he did there. And even with us, when he left, it was like we, we are we are on a we're going to search our way up now with with He left, we've been we've been absolutely horrific. I just think he is. He is, I think he is brilliant. His record in the transfer market in general is superb. And he can turn very average defenders into, while he's at the club, he can make those defenders look world-class. He And he even talked me through the way he kind of, I asked him specifically about Patrick Van Arnhol. How did he turn this 1.5 million pound left back who was good at going forward but couldn't defend into a 14 million pound left back, we then sold to him at Crystal Palace, and he was just saying, he talked him through the basic. No one had actually ever taught him how to defend, and he was a defender. And he's, I think, the, the jobs that he's done at clubs are absolutely miraculous. And we would be nowhere near where we are now had had Iceland not beaten us. Unfortunately, as it must to be in England. It's, it's the worst like
0: kind of result England have ever had in my opinion because it just ruined Sunderland. It ruined it ruined our our relationship with Sam Allen So obviously you know, he was gonna he was always gonna leave, wasn't he? That's your dream isn't it when you were a manager to join England. But you're right. I mean, look how far we I mean, we're gonna get into Sunderland quite a lot later on because I mean, like I say, since he's gone it's gone from the the damn right ridiculous to the even worse. You know what I mean? But I've got a bit of a on the spot question for you, Tom, if you don't wow. mind. Yeah. You obviously um Work a lot with Pete Graves, who's a you know a big Newcastle fan. Um, what's the battle like at the minute between you and him? Because obviously they've um, they've got into some riches, um, and obviously what's well known is you were the you were the reporter who got to break the news that the deal was off, um, with a little bit of a kind of smile on your face when you were doing it. Um, but what's the battle like between you and Pete at the moment? Because um, you know they seem to be going in an upwards trajectory we're going in a downwards trajectory so it must be a little bit bad
2: at the moment for you whoever like it doesn't matter who we beat whether it's newcastle or someone else when we win or things are going well i never take a mick out of anyone all right because more times than not it's going to be us on the losing side right i never say a word and i always think to myself well, if i don't say a word to these people they'll not do it to me when the, the shoes on the other foot that is absolute nonsense, by the way, because it always, <laughs> always, comes back to me, um, <laughs> he he can't keep his emotions in as, as well as I can, so he does quite enjoy taking the mid. <laughs> do it and never do it back. In fairness, I never ever do it back, um, and I think he's kind of kind of learning that over the years. But he is incredibly excitable about this <laughs> at the moment. He may have maybe went a little bit over the top when yeah, that takeover went through but you know I suppose it's it's good to see him being positive about his club because we know what it's like if if your club if things aren't going well it's a it's a horrible feeling and i guess for him and the rest of the newcastle fans at least at the moment they are actually feeling quite positive
0: yeah yeah An- another round on the spot one um give us your sky sports news
2: five a side team if you pick one, anywhere yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm um, struggling with a keeper here because um, we don't actually have one. When, when I've when I've organised matches, charity matches for Sky Sports News, whether it be eleven a side or five a side, I've always had to rope in. Um, we rope used to rope in Lloyd Griffiths when he was at Soccer AM, actually. Um, so I might have to just pick five outfield players, and we'll just have to take it in turns in goal. Play Rush, Rush, yeah, I think we'd have to. Well, Pete. Pete actually is a very good striker. So, so you've you, got to give him that. So Pete's in there. Um, have you? Can you remember? Well, not remember. Can you picture Paul Gilmore? Yes. there's yeah. does a lot of Tottenham. He's Northern Irish. He's a very good player. So stick him in. Stick him in the middle. Pete up front. Um, can Can you picture Jess, uh, Jessica Crichton? Yeah. She yeah. used to play for Charlton. So let's get her in there. Michelle Owen. Mm-hmm. She's a good... I think she might have used... To, she might have played for Bristol City. She might have done. But she, she... Her and Pete would fight over who's up front. So you might have put them both up front. Paul Gilmore, Jessica Crichton. And... Darmesh. Darmesh is quite good. Darmesh is quite a good footballer. So let's... You're not picking yourself? Let's get him in. <laughs> no, I don't make the side. I... <laughs> I, I, I picked the team. Uh, you know, I put myself in just to run around a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are there are actually in terms of the presenters and reporters, some some real real talent on the football picture at, at Sky Sports News. In fairness,
1: oh cool. I mean, uh, is there still any sports that you play at this year then, Tom?
2: No, I still I I, I was still playing Sunday League and, until the end of last season, but then the the team ended up folding, and I thought oh, I was going to have one last season, and I thought. I can't be bothered to, to to join a new club, so I've stopped doing that, um, and that's it now. That the sport I was actually best at as a as a player was cricket. I was actually quite good at cricket. Football was just I would I would try hard. I would, <laughs> but but I, but I I enjoyed it more, and um, but, but cricket cricket I was actually quite good at. Um, but working at Sky and working every weekend, you just unfortunately didn't have have time to play it anymore. Um, and I used to actually play rugby union and I, I never enjoyed rugby union I was always i couldn't wait to leave school because once I left school, I wouldn't have to play it, but it was mandatory when I was at school and I was all right actually, surprisingly if you, if you ever see my if you ever meet me in person, my my physique and stature, you wouldn't think I'm a good rugby player, but I was all right um and then of course, as soon as I could give up, I did give up and then I missed it. Mm-hmm. i'll tell you what we used to
0: play rugby me and gary have known each other since we were like four so we used to play like rugby and our um our pe teacher mr Beaston. he actually reminds us a bit like you thomas he never looks old I met him a few weeks ago, and he just still looks as young as what he looked like when we were taken out of than him now, you know what I mean? And um, he used to have us playing rugby in the absolute freezing cold, soaking wet. To tell you what, it made you into a man, like, you know, it was probably old school B-style teaching, but it-, it turned you into a man, like, I must admit. Um, I don't don't miss rugby, I will stand
1: there go, Gary, do you, by any chance? Nah, I mean, I always had the fear of someone standing on my ghoulies, like, I'm not going to lie about it, that was, like, a big fear for me, so I didn't necessarily miss it, but physicality-wise, like, I like the idea of the whole sport, like, I watched England-Scotland and Six Nations at the weekend, and, you know, like, it was a good game, obviously, we got beat, but, you know, like, it it was nice to watch, I mean, do you watch much of, like, the, the rugby, Tom?
2: yeah i do well I, I watch i watch pretty much all sports a lot of it is because of because of my job i, yeah. I like i don't like golf i don't like formula one but i watch it because i need to have seen yeah. what's happened all right um rugby union I, yeah i do i do like that i like rugby union and rugby league um and, and in, in terms of england scotland um you know I, I am actually i mean i i I am english i, 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 I see myself as english but my I, I actually am half scottish as well my dad was born there and i lived there for five years as well so again i don't have a great kind of desire to i don't have that kind of england and scotland have this desire to beat each other i don't really have that because officially i am both although i must admit i do see myself as english but yeah still still watch rugby union and my brother-in-law he's got uh Okay, you know, if you've got like corporate hospitality, you can have like a box um, at a ground. He he's got like a, a table, so it's kind of like halfway between corporate hospitality and not at uh, the Falcons. So I quite like um, if I can if I can get onto his table. I quite like um, you know actually going to the to Kingston Park for that as well. You mentioned cricket
0: as well. Um, I'm a big cricket fan. Tom, Gary's not into cricket, but
2: uh, <laughs> do you watch Durham at all? Do you get there, get them to see the I do. Well, games. Yeah, I mean, I've not been to the Riverside for a long time, but I, uh, you know, I've followed Durham, so out I our support in, in the county championship and we got absolutely stitched up by the ECB um, a few years ago. And I think that we've now got the in- interim head coach is a Durham lad and a Sunderland fan. So we can be quite proud of that at the moment because poor Conorwood has just been given the job.
0: Yeah, he has. Uh, congratulations, Collie, by the way. I've known Collie for a long time. He's such a, such a gentle bloke as well. Lovely man. Lovely yeah. man. I wish him all the best, to be honest. Um, right, on, on, to, on to the lads. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, we we kind of we do um, a, a thing every week with fans from each club and we, we ask them how they got into supporting said club. So, you know, no different, Tom. What, what got you into a lifetime of misery supporting and the
2: F.C.? <laughs> Yeah, it's my mum and dad, both Sunderland fans. The whole family are from County Durham. They're all Sunderland fans. Um, and so it was just a case of being told, you know, it's, you, you support Sunderland, was there, there no choice there. Um, and I, I think that that is the way it is in most, well, definitely in the North East, but even yeah. in families, if both parents like football and both support the same club, you support that club because they just tell you you support that club. If only one likes football, then you follow that one. You see what I mean? The issue is if they support different clubs, um, then I guess you'd have to make a choice. But if they neither of them like football, then I guess you can choose whoever you want. So I, I think sometimes if you, if I see a I see someone in, in the northeast in a Manchester United or Liverpool shirt, the first thing I think is, Right, well your parents have failed you. But then at the other <laughs> time, well actually their parents might not like football. Or maybe there is some sort of family history for that for Manchester United or Liverpool and that's why and that's why they've done it. But it's very rare that you, you see anything other than, than someone in Newcastle in the northeast. And I, I like that. I'm I'm quite proud of that. My son, um, his mum, uh, his mum doesn't like football, so that was easy. He supports Sunderland whether he whether he likes it or not. He was he was uh, wearing a Sunderland shirt on Saturday. That was which uh, I hadn't bothered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if me and if me and my fiance have a child, there is there we have a problem because she is a Portsmouth fan and you know loves football. I'm a Sunderland fan, so if we are lucky enough to have a son or daughter. I would have to be fair and say it's up to them that they follow their dad or follow their mum. It's not a great choice, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, that, it's, that, oh, it's
0: that rivalry I again, know. isn't it? It's Sunderland and That's uh, seemingly come into, uh, come into fruition
2: since we were in League One. Um, mm-hmm. Can you remember your first game? I, I met her at portsmouth Sunderland. I met her at, um, met her at um, the nil-nil second leg. Oh,
1: no way. Oh, How all the right, did that come
2: yes, around there? Yes. The, uh, the, the shepherd's crook was the... The, the pub when I go to Portsmouth that we drink in before the game and, and I met her in there so I mean there really is a, a lot of football history in, in our relationship
0: Yeah that was the famous game where Lugo Nine got attacked by a fan wasn't it? That's it? Yeah it wasn't, that, that wasn't her That
2: was no relationship Imagine <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> did, did admit when we signed Jermaine Defoe she admitted that um, so Portsmouth must have sold him to Tottenham I uh, might be even mean back to Tottenham at the time, and the next time he came to Fratton Park in that Tottenham shirt, she uh, shouted an obscenity at him from the crowd. So it obviously is just something that Portsmouth fans do—is abusing the opposition players. <laughs>
1: I'll never forget that though.
2: Oh,
0: can can you remember your first game? Tom, that like you went to supporting the lads. I mean I met you at Gillingham. I don't know if you can remember this. No, not Gillingham. Rochdale. Rochdale away. Um, when Charlie White scored, uh, yeah. and me and my cousin were talking to you down down That's in the um, dugout for a little bit. Yeah,
2: I I'd had a uh, f- that
0: day. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah, you were oiled. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were a bit oiled. <laughs> it was fun.
2: Yeah. Charlie White and Aiden McGeady two one. That was a great away day. God, it beat. was. The pubs around the ground really looked after us you know and I, I like that I like that. um yes so my first, my first game actually um I was taken to St. James's Park before Roker Park actually actually the story behind that is two Godfathers one son and one Newcastle the Newcastle fan thought I'm gonna take him to St James's Park first you know bit a bit of a bit of a joke to his dad and stuff to wind him up um, and I went to the game it was it was Newcastle. Portsmouth, funny enough, Newcastle won 2 1. Mick Quinn scored twice, had a disallowed goal, which has spoken to him since about. He's still furious to this day because he thinks the third goal wasn't offside. And he should have had a hat trick. John Burridge made a bit of a howler for, I think, Guy Whittingham to make it 2 1, but Newcastle won. And On the way home, I was like, oh, so do you think you're uh, going to support Newcastle now? I remember being quite baffled going, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how can I? I, I, I support Sunderland because that was the way I was just brought up. You, you couldn't choose. Like I'd been told I support Sunderland, so his plan hadn't. His plan was never ever going to work. And in fairness to him, he did take me a few times to Roker Park after that. All right. So so a fair play to him. my other godfather. Pulled his finger out a couple of months later, and New Year's Day nineteen ninety one, we to Roker Park, and we were playing Southampton. In a season where we ultimately got relegated on the on the last day of the season away at Manchester City and uh, we won 1-0 can you can you guess the goal scorer the 1990-91 <laughs> Dennis Smith in charge what is now the Premier League what was then division one 1-0 who scored
0: it's a year it's a year before I was going I was ninety two. I, I went the year after the FA Cup final like the, the season after that yeah. was my first season, so I'm gonna be honest. I'm, I I would guess a mark war, but I'm not sure. It was
2: some legend still at the club. Oh, Borley. heaven Ball penalty. Oh, oh I never <laughs> knew it. Never knew we took penalties. But <laughs> well, I can't remember I can't huh? another one. That's the thing. I think Marco Gabini I've got a feeling Gabiini wasn't playing. I think Peter Davenport was up front, actually. Mm. Well, Gabriel Dean, he was um, suspended a lot in that season. I've spoken about about this
0: so He stepped in the air and suddenly got suspended quite a lot because he got sent off three or four times in the season. Uh, so
2: he was suspended here. <laughs> yeah, he, um, Yeah. Well, Kevin Ball took the penalty and and scored. Late on, Leticia had a long-range effort and it seemed to go in slow motion for me because they hadn't had been a chance all game. And I remember saying, I can't believe this. And thankfully, it went straight down Tony Norman's throat. Uh, but that was my first, first, um, first time at Roker Park, and I could feel how much it, even then, how much it really meant to me to win. And I didn't feel that when I went to St James's Park. And I mean, why would I? When, when I think about it, but that one, it really like meant something to me. My heart, my, you know, my heart was in my mouth when Letitia had that shot. And that's, it's just that just comes comes naturally to you when when you are a real football fan.
1: No, definitely, definitely. Um I mean you mentioned there obviously, you know, you've like wrote a park and all that sort of stuff. Um do you do you get to go to many games up the Stadium of Light at the moment? I don't
2: go I don't go to the Stadium of Light like as much anymore. Yeah. Um just because it is so far to go and I don't get to go home as often as I would like yeah. to. I go to a lot of away games. Um I have been to the Stadium of Light like once this season and we it was our first defeat, we lost at home to Charlton. That was annoying. Um, other being this season I tend to make m- more trips up there towards the business end of the season and if we if we make the playoffs which I'm, I wouldn't <laughs> say by the way that we'll make the playoffs but if we do I would definitely go to both legs of the semi-final um, but I, yeah it's away games for me I'm supposed to be going to Cheltenham tomorrow night I bought a ticket and I've had to give it up because I just got my I basically just it just got my diary wrong I didn't realise um, that I had my son tomorrow night um, he's a little bit young to go to Cheltenham on a Tuesday night when he's got school yeah. uh, but, I am, but I am going to Wimbledon on um, on Saturday and I think, I think that, that'll be my 6th or 7th away game this season plus the one home game um, against Charlton as well what Do you want us to give you a little bit of a
0: comfort about tomorrow on ice you know the Charlton game at home I mean you, I, I remember he, he got my ball for the like, week actually in the week that uh, we did that Darren Drysdale was referee and he yeah. was awful wasn't he can you remember he was absolutely ridiculously bad <laughs> he's the
2: referee tomorrow night
0: I know, I know. <laughs> I've got
2: I've got just just got no confidence ahead of it either I, I really don't nah. I mean, the, the last few weeks have been quite hard the, the Accrington game when they scored, inside me it was pure anger and rage. Um, I, I couldn't believe that we that we'd done that. And that was when I said we will not get automatic promotion, which we are not going to get. Um, the the Bolton game was just disbelief. I didn't feel like angry or upset. I just couldn't actually believe what I'd seen. And Saturday's game was was actually upset. That was that was hurt, you know, so it was anger, disbelief. And now hurt, and I actually think. Out of all of those three, I think I probably preferred the anger. Uh, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel. To, I don't know how I feel about it tomorrow because um, I don't know. I just don't know what's next.
1: Speaking of is yeah. what's been your favourite weird day to memory?
2: Rochdale meeting me. <laughs> <laughs> Rochdale, Rochdale was a really good one. Yeah. Since we've been in, in League One, I loved Rochdale. I've loved Accrington, the one where we won three nil, just after we would lost the um, uh, Papa jo- well, uh, Check, Checker Trade Trophy as it was yeah. at the time. Um, they were two, they were two brilliant ones. My worst away day, my worst away day ever. Was definitely when we lost five one against Newcastle because I was in the Newcastle end. People around me even stopped celebrating because they felt sorry for me. four and five and then I had to leave I'd never leave a game early but I had to to get a train because there was only one that I could catch and at that point it was five nil so I even missed Darren Bent's goal I missed the one good thing about the game Um, but best best ever this season I actually really enjoyed Arsenal oh I tell you what Arsenal away when we drew nil nil under Dick Advocat because that one because that one kept us up it has to be that one. That's probably got the fondest memories because that game, 90 minutes long, it felt like 90 days. We, Billy Jones hit his own crossbar. I think he hit his own post as well. We actually had chances that we missed. Um, so that Purely purely because it kept us up, it had to be that one. But then again, the following season when we beat Everton 3-0. Oh, that's the home game. What I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's got to be that one for, for that reason.
1: I love Dick Advocat. Like that game when we drew nil nil, and he was crying because we would stayed up. Um, I just I love the passion and the emotion. He's like the Dutch Roy Hodgson. He's been everywhere. He's, he's still going to this day, as far as I'm aware. Um, massive fan of Dick Advocat.
2: Yeah, I think there were some some broken promises. That summer when he was convinced to stay, he was yeah. told he was going to get the five. You know the, the the five key players that he needed to go straight into the first team, and in the end, he he wasn't backed up. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of people say that that's like the director of football's fault. It was Lee Conger at the time. Mm. Absolute nonsense. Ellis Short used to just change his mind. He used to mm. promise, and he, he, and he meant his promises. He didn't make these promises knowingly lying. He would just change his mind. He would just say, No, actually, I'm not spending that money. And, and he'd, he'd always default to just get freezing loans. Just get freezing loans. I'm not spending that money. And then eventually, overspend on one player because he thought oh god i'm gonna have to help him somehow aren't i like overspending on your main lens but things like that um but yeah Advocat got a raw deal and, and the, all the directors of football we, the two directors of football we had under the short were given a raw deal as well what about jermaine
0: defoe then and um, so obviously he's cost a little bit of pain in your arm <laughs> um, you know, with with the tattoo, um, fair play to you for sticking by sticking by your word. But you know, he he's kind of given the club up until Saturday, and you know the result on Saturday was just horrendous. But it's I think it's United Sunderland fans on Twitter giving the club a, a really big lift. Um, what's your reaction to seeing him come
2: back for one last dance, so to speak? Oh, I was I was delighted. I actually would have made him until we until we actually finally hire a manager. I actually would have put him in interim charge because mm. everybody, because everyone will instantly respect him. So I would have put him in interim charge. And back. light he's back, um, he's he, he's never ever lost his fitness um, in terms of pace. Even when he was playing for us in the first time, he wasn't as lightning quick as he once was. It's more about movement. His finishing is excellent, um, and people are like, "Oh yeah, well, you, you know, will he'll not be." You'll not score at full at this age. I actually think you could. I actually think you could. I, I, I think we now have to just focus on making sure we're in the playoffs. And once we get to the playoffs, have to have this settled team like we used to get at the end of a season, all those miracle seasons where we stayed up. By the end of the season, we knew exactly what that start 11 was, knew exactly who would come in if a player was injured or suspended. That's what we need to do between now and the end of the season. So we would go into the playoffs every player knows exactly what they're doing, they know their jobs, they know what happens if we need a goal, they know what happens during a game if we need to if we need to keep them out and, and see the game through. And I think that Jermaine Defoe, his role in that, will be absolutely crucial. Mm-hmm. And I think, that, you know, maybe there is a, a long-term future at, at the club away from playing as well. Yeah, it was, it was a
0: no-brainer for me, I must be
2: honest. Like, um, there
0: was a few, like... He's 39, he's only played nine minutes of football all season, things like that, but it's tremendous for in League One, you know, if you're getting, even if he gets seven to eight, sets himself a target, I would say he's going to set himself a target for ten goals till the end of the season. Even if he gets seven or eight, I think that's probably, you're looking at 21, 24 points, that we probably wouldn't have got. Um, In the the 2012-13 season,
2: I think, I think it was that, Kevin Phillips scored the winning penalty in the championship playoff final, not League One, championship playoff final for Palace at the age of 39. All right? A championship. And he was key for Palace in getting them up. And that is that is one season... Uh, sorry, that's a league above where we are. So I think he can make a big impact. He'll, he'll have been brought in mainly for his impact in the dressing room because we need that. But I think uh, I think he can still do it on the pitch personally. Yeah, um, we'll go into the
0: direction of the of the club as well uh, currently. Um, but just before that, I just want to talk about Saturday because I'm with you about Saturday. Saturday deeply deeply hurt me, you know. And I've, I've, I've I think I'm at the age now where I shouldn't let something hurt us, you know, as much as what it did on uh, on Saturday. I, I mean, I'm like you. I, I tend not to leave. I left for ten minutes to go because I just had enough and to see. 38,000 fans there, not to make a substitution at half time when you know things are going wrong was was wrong. And these guys are, are, are clever than me at football, the coach. And, and I mean, uh, one of my mates had said, had said he, he was talking to a guy in the toilets, and the guy said, I'm pissing. I can say this isn't working. How come they can't say it? And it just, it just felt that it was the last act of the loyalty to New York manager Lee Johnson. But for Jermaine DeFord not to come on with fifteen minutes left to go, it just it just really did hurt me that, you know, the whole day was all built up around, you know, it's a new start, it's new beginnings, everything we're we're getting Jermaine back. And he gets fifteen minutes when we're two 0
2: down at home the Doncaster Castor Rovers day. It was painful Saturday, it really was. When the, when I was I was I was refreshing Twitter to get the team at two o'clock and I was in I was in the park with my son and i let out an expletive thankfully there was only only me and him there and (laughs) i wouldn't normally do that i couldn't believe the team that he picked not because not not because i think the players on the pitch are bad players and i will always defend lyndon gooch because people have a go at him i actually think he's very very important to us um and it it wasn't his inclusion that annoyed me at all it was the exclusions funny enough i could understand defoe being on the bench right Mm. I could not understand Roberts and Clark being on the bench. It made no sense to me whatsoever. Defoe and Matete, okay, right? Yeah. Roberts and Clark, absolutely, I, I could not believe it. And then Roberts not even getting on was, I, w- I was so annoyed. And I thought, do you know what? They're saving them for Tuesday, thinking we're going to need them on Tuesday. And it's okay because we'll win today anyway. We're at home to the team bottom of the league. Everyone knows that's not how it works. He should have won on Saturday and then worried about the players' fitness on Tuesday. If that was what was going on, but that's what it felt like to me.
0: Yeah.
2: Players on the pitch. There was no one on the pitch that I thought. Oh, I can't believe they're playing. I didn't think that, that about any of them. I, that's that's not what I mean. I couldn't believe that Robertson Clark weren't starting. Defoe. Okay, maybe, but should have come on earlier. Um, and I can understand Matete being on the bench as well, but it was it was a wrong team. I, I said it beforehand, so it's not hindsight, and it and it, unfortunately I was proved right.
0: Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think we probably said the same expletive yeah. when that when that team got announced. Um, another one for me is Trey Hume. We've signed Trey Hume five weeks ago. He hasn't played a minute yet. And we've got Carl Winchester playing right back, and Carl Winchester is not playing well at the minute. Yeah, you know, I love Winchester a bit. Don't get us wrong, but um, he's not playing well. And wow, if we signed this Irish guy, who was meant to be really highly rated. Um, looks, looks the player, and we've, we haven't seen play yet. It reminds us of Declan John last
2: season. Do you remember that? one? he never even never repeated for us. It's, it's, it's better. Yeah. yeah. Well, with Trink, because I've never seen Trey Hume play, it's like it's hard for me to be annoyed that he's not in the team. Because it might well be that he's been brought in as a backup and over time he will turn into a quality player. But you are right, we're playing someone out of position. Having said that, at the start of the season, Winchester at right back didn't look out of position. But his his form has dipped. I always think Gooch looks quite quite good at both full-backs as well. Um, but with him needed up higher up on the pitch, you still do start to wonder. Is Trey Hume is he is he that is he is he really not that ready because he has to come in and I think the whoever the new manager is will have to find a settled back four that will be his most most important job will be to, to find a settled back four that preferably barely change between now and the end of the season and when on earth to when on earth do you give that chance to Trey Hume I guess it has to be now.
1: Yeah, I would say so as well. Like you say, Winchester is out of form. Winchester was an important part in the early goings of the season. He did score some important goals as well. Um, but I'm in agreement with yourself, Tom, and There, uh, we need to try and have a look and get Trey Hume and see what he can potentially do. Because um, getting beat off bottom of the league, I mean, our group chat and there was some expletives in there, getting beat off bottom of the league when we demolished them 3-0 on the 27th of January. I remember that game quite well. Um, what happened? I have no idea, but it was just disappointing to see on on Saturday.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't really got over it. It's, it's like tomorrow night, so I, I can't go. Uh, you know, like I said, I bought a ticket and can't go, and I'm actually like it's ten pounds to watch it, and you can you can do that legally in a in a midweek. And normally, my whole day would I'd wake up. Because because I I get up for work at my alarm goes off at three three 30, uh, three three twenty a.m. And I'd wake up I'd jump out of bed happy that someone were playing that night. I'd look forward to wouldn't even think about the ten pounds, and my whole day would would revolve around making sure that my son's asleep in time so I can watch the game, and everything would revolve around it. Tomorrow I'm actually considering watching there's 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 three Premier League games on Amazon. I'm actually thinking, I might just pick between those three games, because I actually can't put, I don't want to put myself through what happened on, on Saturday, because I, honestly, it was it was painful, and I've never, ever said that. The chance to watch, I've never, ever turned down the chance to watch Sunderland. And in fairness, I still probably won't tomorrow, but the fact that I'm considering it says something. Yeah,
0: yeah I'm, I'm in the same board. I'm at work at, like, earlier in the morning as well, 7 o'clock, and finish at six and the last thing I want to do is to come home pay a tenner to watch it and, and that's sad. I think it's really sad. Um considering where we were five weeks ago, you wouldn't have convinced me otherwise um when we beat Chef Wedd at home, five 0 You wouldn't have convinced me otherwise that we were going up. And now I'm I'm I'm, I'm like, you yeah, I'm not going over the shoulder thinking are we even going to make a playoffs So yeah. Um we'll go we'll go into the the direction of the club at the minute because so I do think, to be honest, there is quite a a structure and there's a structure we can get behind I think obviously with Christian comment coming um, you know who does all the signings and everything and we did have obviously you know Lee Johnson who's recently been sacked but first of all what's your kind of thoughts on the 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 direction the club's shown at the minute you know invested in you it's going down that route and what was your reaction to Lee Johnson getting the chop last week against Bolton I
2: think the direction of the club I th- is, is good I think we need that alright We've got the owner's young, but the owner is rich and does know his football and is also willing to put his trust into football people like Christian Speakman. And I think David Jones has a good say as well on the board, yeah. actually, from what I can from what I can gather. Um, and that, is a, that seems to me like a good dynamic. So I think behind the scenes, I'm actually quite happy it would be better if, if Kira-Louis could could buy the whole club, if I'm honest with you. Um, and get a get a bit more, just, just so that he had more power. I know he's the majority shareholder, but I um, you know, it would just give him more power, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, we just want rid really of the other
0: two, don't we? You know that I totally agree with you. That we, we just want Donald and Metzen out, gone, and yeah. then it would be. I think it would, the fans would get more on board with that.
2: Yeah. So at the moment, he's a bit hamstrung by the fact that he that he can't do that, but there are someone talked me through the kind of the business side of things There, is, there is a way in which he can actually take over if he's patient for a lot cheaper than if he bought them anyway that's yeah. i want to be understanding the the process but it was a business when he was telling me about this he was actually very interesting um i think so all, all that i'm actually quite happy about b johnson i actually thought he would have been given these three games so saturday just gone to, um, tomorrow night against Cheltenham and Wimbledon away I thought he'd be given those three games to kind of start his new streak um, and, and if he'd lost any of them he'd be gone but 6-0 was so bad I think he was just like, like this is happening a lot now I mean we got stuffed by Portsmouth we've been stuffed by Sheffield Wednesday stuffed by Rotherham and now we've been properly stuffed by a team who are in the bottom half of the league let's change it now let's not wait so although i was surprised by it i can't say you know i can't say unanimously it was the right decision or the wrong decision but i didn't see it i didn't think it would happen and i also don't mind the fact that they're doing a proper interview process i think that's probably the right thing to do but because we lost on saturday it's like Crikey, get a move on. If, anyone, if anyone's booked in for an interview tomorrow or Wednesday, bring it forward. Do it today. These days, interviews can be done over Skype, Zoom, Teams, FaceTime. Bring it forward. Because even if it's Dodds who picks the team for tomorrow night, I think we need the new manager. I think the players need to know who the manager is. I think the players need to, need to meet the manager tomorrow.
1: And who, do you, who would you like to see? Is is the gaffer?
2: Oh, my, my first choice was always and will always be Sam Allardyce. Yeah. But he is, he has said to me in the past he'd never, he never he he when it comes to Sunderland coming back to Sunderland he says never say never, but never in League One, right? So that was a bit that, that wasn't going to happen. My second choice was Emma Hayes, um at at Chelsea. I think what she's doing is brilliant, and I think the players would respect her CV. Um, and they will have also heard her as a pundit, and they will, you know, res- res- I-, I think she would command respect if she came in. But whether she would, I mean, she- she's got the run of the club at Chelsea, and I've said this before, but I- I'll-, I'll say it again for people who listen to, you know, who, who don't listen to you know, every podcast. Uh, I think she'll end up being the first English person to win the, the Premier League because. No English English manager has ever won the Premier League in its current form. Um, I think eventually she'll get the Chelsea job and win the Premier League. So I think she'll be the first English person to do that. I thought it was going to be Lampard. That didn't happen. So she would have been second choice, but again, that would have been very, very difficult. After that, there's a load of names who are kind of all equal. Uh, I like um, Slavisa Jukanovic, for instance. Roy Keane is just exciting. It, It could go spectacularly right like last time i don't see it going spectacularly wrong because he doesn't have as much control as he would have had um so that put it that way put it this way that excites me and i would be happy if he comes back and i think we seem to be the only club who's willing to give him another chance at management and i'm sure he would understand that and hopefully repay us but i i I am excited by that um And I'd heard it was all but done at the end of last week, and suddenly it's not, which is a little bit worrying. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'd be excited by it.
1: I think all the fans would be excited by Roy Keane coming back. But for for me, and uh, me and Anne spoke about this on Twitter Spaces the other week. It's kind of like a double-ended sword. We we love him, but do you want another manager back for you know a second dance? I I just don't know. I don't know if he comes back, 100% get behind him. We do love him at Sunderland. But I'm just not sure right now.
0: Who's your choice then, Gary? Just out of interest.
1: From the names that are linked, there's no one that I really fancy. I'm not really keen on Grant McCann. Not really keen on Neil Lennon. I I mean, I would take Roy Keane, 100%. But the names that are linked so far, I'm just not keen on. But Warner,
2: Roy when I was saying to you, we need to sort out the defence, get a settled team, and then win the playoffs. The the person who is probably the best for that would be Neil Warwick. He had, he would do that, and and we know that he'd accept the job until the end of the season. He says his biggest regret in football is not coming to Sunderland when he had the chance as a manager all those years ago. Um, it must have been when Dennis Smith left that Mark and Crosby was in, in interim was, was caretaker, and then eventually permanently well, where we got to the FA Cup final. So, in that sense, he in in what I've just said about just focusing on winning the playoffs. Warnock is actually the perfect man. So then, I'm going to contradict myself by saying I'd be more excited by Roy Keane. So it, it is a hard one.
0: For for me, it's Roy Keane. Just for a couple of reasons. First one, I think it'll give everyone at the club a massive lift. I think the players automatically know who Roy Keane is, who Roy Keane was, you know, his his, um, experience on the football pitch, that he doesn't take nothing for granted, you know, he doesn't take no for an answer kind of thing. I think a few of these players need a bit of a kick up the arse, you know, I've got to say that. I think a couple of them do need a a bit of a a jolt. Um, And secondly, um, just again, looking at them that list, it's 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 kind of like you just hit that nail on the head, mate. It's excitement, like it could go spectacularly right, but it also could go spectacularly wrong. But it'd be funny, you know. And I think just in the season that we're in at the minute, and, and getting beat six nil off ball and losing the losing the Doncaster Rovers on um on Saturday, and I mean no disrespect to these clubs, but these teams we should be beating And and going out and seeing like my dogs on on Saturday was and it was like kind of an acceptance that we'd lost. I don't want I don't want my manager to accept that we've lost at home to the team bottom of the table. I don't I don't want that as, as a Sunderland fan. I, I don't want to be arrogant, you know. I don't I don't want to come across as arrogant that we're in League One. But look, listen, at Sunderland AFC in League One. Where have the standards of this football club gone when we're accepting that we're getting beat? And I'm going on a bloody re- re- tangent again. <laughs> <laughs> I did on Saturday. But where are the standards? And Roy Keane would bring them standards back. And like and, and even if it goes wrong, it would be funny. You know, it'd be funny to watch, and I think we just—that's what we need. So, you know, this, this season for me now was a write-off. You know, we're not going to go automatically. We—if we make the playoffs, great. But you know what? We're like the playoffs, Tom. <laughs> it's um, it's it's very much a lottery,
2: um, okay. and well, more than likely. When he was here first time, he said that he got it wrong with his assistant manager. He needed someone with more experience. He said he had, should have had Tony Loughlin as a as a coach rather than assistant. Yeah. Man- um. See, now Roy Keane has experience, because since he's managed Ipswich a long time ago, he's also been um, an assistant manager in the Premier League, he's been an assistant manager in the Championship, he's been an assistant manager at international level. He now has that experience. So it will still be very important who he brings in as an assistant. And names that jump out at me there, if he does get the job, is would he make Grant Ledbetter his assistant? He brought him through at Sunderland, and signed him again. Ipswich. He uh, could he bring um, John O'Shea in yeah. as manager. He he knows him from Manchester United and from Ireland as well. And John O'Shea is no longer at Reading. I think he he, he might work for, for the Republic of Ireland, but he could still come in as assistant here at Sunderland. And does he go for that kind of approach where Roy Keane doesn't really speak to the players because? Well, like, kind of, you know, he'll probably try not, to, but he certainly won't be friendly with the players. No, and have an assistant manager who, who is is more so more in touch with the players, more in touch with the modern player, and and Ledbetter and um, and uh, and O'Shea really really stick out to me as possibilities.
1: Yeah, that I never thought about it like that, but yeah, definitely. I mean, the the someone who's got a relation like a long relationship with could definitely see that happening. Um, so Tom, what about your favourite Sunderland players then? Who who over your time as a Sunderland fan really stands out as just players that you you know you absolutely adore?
2: Kevin Ball is is an absolute favourite. Uh, Lee Catamol as well. I, I love the hard players. I, I, I love the tough, tough players. It kind of embodies a Sunderland fan, really, the, the hard-working background and such like. So, so Kevin, Kevin Ball, it was Kevin Ball and Lee Catamol, hard as nails as they were, they were excellent passes of the ball. And, and Kevin Ball's technique was, was brilliant. You know, he wasn't, just a, he wasn't just a hard man battler in midfield. To um, so him and Catamol stand out immediately. Um, J- Jermaine Defoe from his first spell. I also loved Mart Poom. I loved. Yeah. Phil. And another one, which might surprise, is Danny Rose. Um, Thank Thankfully, his, his spell at Newcastle was cut short, so it didn't didn't affect his reputation with me too much. But um, I loved Danny Rose as well. Loved him, and I loved uh, Don Hutchison too. But, I mean, Kevin Ball's the, the one. Kevin Ball and John Kay, they're the two that really stand out. I, I'm, I'm Tough to tough to um, differentiate between those two.
0: We, we were you there
2: when John Kay broke his leg and he went off run the on the board? Yeah, me, me and my dad were there. I think it was 1-0 at home at Birmingham. Lee Howie, left foot curler from the edge of the area. And um, and I was I was very young at the time when he was rowing off. I, like, I didn't really know what he was doing. Everyone was laughing. I yeah. yeah. If
0: you know what's going on, but that's of course very famous now. Yeah, he's from the he's from the same village as me and Gary from
2: Sappleton,
0: lad. Is he, uh, right? Yeah, he went to Sappleton School and all that. Yeah, he's um he I don't know well, what he does now. He does something in housing, I think now. But well, I met him um, when we got beat off Man off Millwall in Manchester um in the FA Cup semi final, and I have met him a couple of times. Like, but we were talking in the car park afterwards, and he just looked at him and no, like my dearness. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. I'll tell you who you'd love, actually, Tom. Just going into uh, women's football, Neve Heron, who plays for Sunderland Ladies. Um, she's only at age, just signed a professional contract with Sunderland uh, this week, and she's uh, idol is Nick Cutmore. And honestly, oh, right. she's just like, a, like no nonsense, goes right through players. She went through somebody yesterday. I mean, what a tackle it was. Um, but proper, proper, good. Honest right. football, and she's local as well. I you really, if you get a chance to come up and watch the ladies, honestly, go
2: and watch her. She's yeah, going to be I'd, huge as well. Like she's going to be a massive player. Yeah, I'd, I'd love us to be to be in the WSL because Sky have the rights to WSL now. Yeah, uh, it's very hard to. It's, it's actually very hard to to watch below the WSL. Um, it's actually quite hard to watch a game. So in, in terms of like, I don't even know what channel it's on. But as a WSL, with it being on Sky now and so many games, I would love us to get promoted I mean, yeah. Yeah, this season. But hopefully next season. It's only on the
0: FA place. So you've got to download the app, and then sometimes it doesn't work. It's uh, it is difficult. It is right. difficult. I go to the home games, but away games is is quite difficult. Um, but um, I mean, we'll go on from the sublime to the ridiculous and uh, worst players. <laughs> Just give us three <laughs> off the top of your heads, because it's been a lot. <laughs>
2: Uh Well, I was I was there for Milton Nunez's uh, game when he came well, on. I was
0: there. <laughs> Milton Nunez.
1: That,
2: that one stands out just because it was so did, bizarre. Did you
0: go to um, the reserve game at the City of Light where there was 20,000 fans there? Just for him. Yeah, i not
2: that one, but I, I know about that goes down in football that one with Milton Nunez. And again, can I really say that he's our worst player when I barely saw him? You know, it's yeah. probably, that's probably a little bit unfair. Um... I was never a fan of George McCartney and couldn't believe that we re-signed him. I, I just, and I didn't like, I didn't um, rate him when he when he came through. under I think Mick McCarthy didn't rate him then, and didn't think he was worth six million to, to bring him back. And that was a that was a Roy Keane signing that one as well. Um, it, it went really wrong for Lee Camp. I feel a bit sorry for sorry for him because it just did not work at all for him. Um, so I guess I guess those two, and there must be someone really obvious that I'm missing. I mean, I, I, I did not see anything in Dame Endoy, and that was another guy signing as well. You know, and he, he had a great window. I didn't see much in him. There must be someone obvious that I'm missing.
1: Did he end on?
2: And he, was, he was actually quite good, just... <laughs> Didn't learn English. Didn't, well, ended up being sacked. Jelavodi wasn't great, but I felt that if he, if, if we moved into left back, I think he maybe could have held his own. But we'll never know. I mean, those. I'll, I'll throw Milton Nunes in as the third one. Then, yeah, up, fair I'm, enough. I'm probably missing an obvious one.
1: Probably quite a few, to be fair.
2: I've got to rattle off 20.
0: But, uh, but I've also, on, on the other side of things, rattle off 20 who have made us feel great. You know, obviously, you, you mentioned you know, Phillips, Quinn, Stefan Sports, you know, Steve Balbrank, You know, the, the good
2: outweighs the bad, to be honest. But... That, uh, Andy Gray, who Mick McCarthy signed in the Premier League. I didn't see yeah. that. We, we we couldn't, we, we could have, if we hadn't bought him and John Stead, we could have put that money to bet, together to get Darren Bent. Um, yeah, yeah. And we also could have had Clinton Morrison for only a little bit more than an Andy Gray cost. Um so yeah, I was, you know, never met him, nothing against him, but that was not that was that was always the wrong signing.
0: Funnily enough, we had a Burnley fan on a couple of weeks ago and he spoke really highly of Andy Gray and I was like, You must have been watching a different Andy Grey what oh, <laughs> <much. laughs> I was
2: watching. Well I remember that season Kelvin Davis was awful for us, but Southampton fans love him and he was good at it, yeah. It just, it, it happens sometimes. And there's there's players who who were who really good for us and not rated elsewhere. So the same thing, same thing. I mean, look at, like, Nicholas Benton did really well for us, but he's a he's a comedy figure elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, I loved him
0: up here. Must have met a lot of him. I just don't love the fact of hoping to be the CCTV operator who was watching him and Lee Catamull twatting yeah. uh, loads of uh, Calvary <laughs> shows uh,
2: through Newcastle Chinatown. Have you read Nicholas Benton's autobiography? I haven't. No. no, no, no. It's on my list. So he's got a whole chapter, and you you think this chapter is going to be dedicated to his time at Sunderland? That's what it seems. It's a whole chapter on Lee Cattermole. Really? It's a whole <laughs> chapter on Lee He's like he doesn't even mention that he scored in, in a we a Derby, right? Doesn't mention. It's just kind of like, um, like he knew Steve Bruce. So Steve Bruce brought him because he had him at, um, at Birmingham, and he was he out Steve Bruce's daughter for a little while. That might be at a, a different, different time, but that's in the book as well. So he knows Steve Bruce. He's like, yeah, c- came, came, so immediately just goes into this thing about Lee Catmull for a whole chapter, and then just says, early in the season, Steve Bruce was sacked and replaced by Martin O'Neill, and we, and we stayed up comfortably, and that's it. Like, like <laughs> there's nothing about the club at all. It's just Lee Catmull. The whole thing is on Lee
0: catalog. Definitely, well, I'm gonna have to buy it now. Like, yeah, it's it's on my list. It's just, um, yeah, it's, it's it's. I've got literally a whole bookshelf. Like to be to be right here that are all haven't been read yet. So I need to get really yeah. back into my books. But it is on my list, like. Um But what we'll do is now, Tom, just to finish off because um, we've had you for an hour. I am really appreciate you coming on, but we do this with every guest, so it would only be fair to do it with yourself. We have what's known as Baller and Ballik of the Week. Um, our baller of the week. This could be in any sport, any individual, any team in any sport who have had a particularly good week, so baller, and a particularly bad week, which is baller. You're our guest, um, so we'll let you go last. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to start with Gary
1: for this one for baller. I think you've got a you know, there's been so many like good moments. I mean, you look at yesterday winning, um, for me. I've got to go Senegal because it's their first AFCON win. Um, You know, they, they played great football. Um, You know, they fairly deserved it. They played well all throughout. I've got to give a shout out to, you know, the Egypt goalkeeper, who was actually the second-choice goalkeeper, Gabiski, who had a fantastic tournament and actually kept them in the game. Might not have even went around extra time if it wasn't for him. Um, So, got to give a huge congratulations to Senegal and also Boreham Wood.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say Barham Wood, um, just for the emotion of the manager uh, yesterday when when the one he was crying on the pitch, bless him. But mine's got to be for a team who actually lost in the FA Cup. Uh, Cadimus Harris, and um, you know that scored early on. The the looks. If you were a newb watching that, that game and didn't know anything about football, you wouldn't know that they were in the sixth tier of English football. They were absolutely amazing, and only. There were, there were two minutes away, and Declan Rice has done what Rice does, you know, scored a hell of a goal in, in extra time. I think Jarrett Bowen scored with with not many minutes to go. Just, I think the magic of the FA Cup has been lost for the last few years, But Kiddermans Harriers and Warren Ward, and pretty much this season brought it all back. Even, I think, it was Chesterfield who scored against Chelsea that were getting beat like 3-0, and just the whole place went up. So, for me, Kiddermans to Harriers, the will go for you.
2: Uh, Saul Bamba, good friend of mine, absolutely great man. Scored the winning penalty for Middlesbrough against Manchester United, and, and all right, that is a Championship club beating a, a Premier League club. I know, so it's kind of a giant killing. That's not the reason. Just every time something good happens to Saul Bamba, it's a great story. He really deserves it. He's been he's been on set with me when he was um, you know still going through his treatment. And um, and I, I love talking to him. He's a great, great man, and every good thing that happens to him, he, completely, he absolutely deserves. So he is my ball of the week.
0: Did you see his reaction as well? The photo of his reaction, and he just couldn't believe it. Couldn't he? he was just
2: absolute yeah. disbelief. Well, imagine, imagine being him, or even even harder, his his family, his wife, who will have been just praying every minute of every day for him just to be alive yeah yeah let alone get back on a football pitch and i mean he scored no head kick, kick the other week as well i did <laughs> and it, 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 I mean, all of these moments he didn't even think he'd be alive for he's actually he's actually doing on a football pitch as well so he's he, he's the he's the one ball of the week definitely for me
0: yeah, and and, and also a mention for Duncan Watmore for his superb handball assist as
2: well. I've got this five R, but you know, I wish Duncan, I love Duncan, uh, and I met Duncan a couple
0: of times as well. Tom, honestly, what a nice, nice bloke. You know, and um, you know, footballers get like kind of carried around being arrogant this and the other. Duncan Watmore, what a man, absolutely brilliant. I love to see him doing well because he's had some horrible, horrible injuries and horrible luck at Sunderland, and yeah. to see him doing well, uh, a level above, which is fair enough. But to see him doing well. I just love that. Yeah I, yeah, I really do wish them all the best. So we'll go from sublime to the ridiculous. Um, Gary, we'll go for ball league of the week.
1: As much as it pains me to say this, I've got a gun for us. Like, oh, no. going like all week, you know, on a high, four signed, like the social media, like the way it was all done, brilliant, like on a massive high. And then like, just the, the way we played on Saturday was just ridiculously bad and again to bottom of the league like it just it, it's much like we've already covered like took ages to make a substitution didn't play jack clark didn't play patrick roberts um who could have really like brought some kind of x factor to that game um and it was just like that the blue in 100 got popped like you know the high and everything it was just like it was all just taken away like for, how many were there Thirty eight thousand was it yeah. Yeah, yeah 38,000. It was just disappointing to see the way we played. If we'd lost, but we'd battled, fair enough. But it was just the way we played, it was just terrible.
0: Yeah, mine is the idiotic Leicester fans. Um, first of all, for destroying uh, Nottingham Town Centre, and then for that idiot who came onto the pitch after the first goal. Um, we we'll need to do a bit more about this because it's happening quite a lot, actually. Uh, missiles are getting thrown, you saw Luca Dini getting hit by. Missile and things like that, and I just think there's no place for it for me. It was absolutely idiotic, um, and the less said about it, the better. To be honest, um, and Tom, we'll we'll finish off with yourself. Yeah, well,
2: that the Leicester fan that ran on would is definitely uh, the the worst one, the ball ache of the week. But I'll I'll go Mo salad just because he will he is incapable of talking without covering his mouth. Like <laughs> 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 I know I know footballers do it a lot, but he does it more than anyone. Um, and the 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 fact that he was, you know, g- coaching his goalkeeper Gabaski to to save that Sadio Mali penalty, I know he worked, I know it worked, but it was sneaky. It was like Ronaldo getting Rudy sent off in the two thousand and six World Cup or was mm-hmm. it Euros, whichever one it was. Um, yeah, I I can't stand that. What what you're saying is not as interesting as you think it is. Believe me. Do you know what? That's
0: the one thing I would. Right out the football, to be honest, this stupid thing when they're coming on, they're going, oh, you, you can't eat it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's crazy. It's like, ah, oh, never mind, never mind. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's it for Gary. You're gonna give us a nice little
1: exit. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Tom, it's it's been great having you on the pod. You're like an encyclopedia of knowledge as well. It just came, yeah, like all throughout this podcast. So do really appreciate you coming on today, um, and you know, just thank you very much for your time. My
2: pleasure.
0: Yeah, I, I, again, I'll second that, mate. Obviously, we've, we've tried for best part of a year to get you on. I know you're very, very busy, so thanks for, for taking um, an hour out of your, of your schedule, really. You know, this will be huge trial podcast, so, you know, we can't thank you enough. Um, cheers. And, again, I, I, on a personal note as well, I've had a couple of messages of well wishes from from last week. I'm fine, don't worry, guys. Um, It was just a bit of a mental health issue, but thanks very much for anyone who got in touch. Um, I think we're talking to a Portsmouth fan next week, funnily enough, Tom. (laughs) Um, So, you know, enjoy us for that. Um, Thank you so much, everyone, for listening again. Cheers again to Tom for coming on, um, and good luck for the rest of your your season and hopefully see you in the playoffs. Um, We'll have a pint hopefully at the stadium. Yeah, well, hopefully, Wembley. Hopefully you can remember it this time anyway. Crossed.
1: Fingers
2: crossed. <laughs> I doubt that, I doubt that. Cheers <laughs> <laughs> very much, man. Thanks uh, very much, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll, uh, we'll catch you down the line. Cheers, stay safe, everybody. Thank you so much. Goodbye.